Hello everyone and welcome back to the Capella podcast. This week we have Dr. Cindy Rubin on. Dr. Rubin is a general pediatrician and breastfeeding medicine specialist practicing in the western suburbs of Chicago. She worked at a large academic center as an outpatient general pediatrician for 13 years before opening her new direct pediatric care practice in touch pediatrics and lactation. Dr. Rubin loves providing pediatrics, breastfeeding medicine, and fourth trimester care services in patients' homes when and where they need them the most. She continues to be involved in teaching medical students as the advisor for her breastfeeding and lactation fourth year elective, and she serves as the, as the co-chair for the Committee on Breastfeeding for the Illinois Chapter of the AAP and is a board member of the North American Board of Breastfeeding and Lactation Medicine. Before we begin, as per usual, you can find a recording of the interview on our YouTube channel. So hi everyone, thank you so much for joining. Today I'm joined by Dr. Cindy Rubin. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hi Dr. Rubin, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you so much. I'd love for you to start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your life story and what led you you know, to become specialized in breastfeeding and in all the issues surrounding that very important topic. Give us some backstory. Um, sure. I always love to understand where people are coming from and why they arrive to where they are right now. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because I've always enjoyed listening to people's stories mm-hmm. and I have never really thought I was going to have a cool story. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and so, that speaks to the fact that I started out as a pediatrician 18, 19 years ago. And I you know, just pictured myself kind of going down the typical doctor path. And I was a hospitalist for a couple of years. And then I moved to an outpatient pediatrics job that I loved, but I really needed to find a niche. Mm-hmm. And when I had my own kids, I started to realize how little I knew about breastfeeding. So I decided to become a lactation consultant, which at the time was kind of all I knew really in terms of how to get more education on breastfeeding so that I could help my patients in my office when they were in front of me. So I became an IBCLC and I had struggles with both of my kids. And so that also made me realize how important this was. And then I discovered something called breastfeeding medicine. And breastfeeding medicine is a field of medicine that is essentially physician-level care for breastfeeding moms and babies. And it is a little bit different than an IBCLC because an IBCLC is a, the scope of practice is teaching, education, counseling, and IBCLCs are amazing and so crucial to helping people get kind of get more education and get closer to their breastfeeding goals and 
troubleshoot things, but their scope of practice limits them so that sometimes they know there's more going on, but they need a physician who can actually evaluate and treat more complicated problems. So that's where breastfeeding medicine falls into play because most physicians, unfortunately, do not get much training in breastfeeding medicine. So herein lies where my, my path started to veer. As I started doing this, I also started to realize the limitations of working in the system. I just simply did not have time to be with my patients the way and provide them with the kind of care that I thought was good care and letting them tell me what was going on and not always saying, you have to make another appointment for that. You have to make another appointment for that, but being able to help them in that moment. And more and more, I was running behind and that was frustrating for not only my patients, but my staff and my family, because it also meant that I wasn't getting home for dinner and bedtime a lot. And so I veered off the path a little over a year ago and decided to open my own practice, which is in the direct primary care model. So this is a, an affordable membership-based model that's outside of the system. So we don't take insurance. My husband keeps telling me that when I say that I got out of the system, that it's that people are going to think I got out of prison. It's not exactly true, but sometimes it felt like it because in the system of medicine, you know, there just are a lot of limitations. And, you know, with how little you get reimbursed, you have to see so many patients to make a living. And this type of practice that I'm in now allows me to have a smaller patient panel, see fewer patients, and therefore spend more time with them and give more personalized care. And I also do home visits, which is absolutely the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I love this story. And I think it's so important that people try to adapt and see where things lack. I love the fact that your practice's name is in touch because that really embodies kind of, I feel like your philosophy of being more in touch with people. I read on your website that all your patients can text you or call you at any time when they need help, which I guess is very, very valuable, especially when you have a newborn because you have a lot of questions. Yeah. So yeah, so I, yeah, really, really like this philosophy. And now let's talk maybe a little bit about more kind of specifics. So as a doctor and breastfeeding specialist and in medical breastfeeding, how did you call that? Breastfeeding medicine, Bre breastfeeding medicine. medicine. I'd love to kind of pick your brain about what type of pain, when you're trying to breastfeed, what type of pain or discomfort is normal? What is not normal? You know, do, should everyone see a breastfeeding consultant at least, or is it super easy for some people? And then other people need help and what can people do about it when it doesn't yeah. work that well? Yeah. yeah. Walk us through kind of if someone sure. has a baby faces issues. Yeah. How, yeah. how should they proceed? Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question because I think some, a lot of people don't ask that or don't think about it and then are kind of stuck in the moment after they have this baby in front of them and they're not sure what to do. 
And so thinking about it ahead of time and taking like a breastfeeding class of some sort can be really helpful. There's a lot of things online now as well that can give a little bit of guidance just so that you are kind of mentally prepared, I guess. And in terms of pain, so breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. Now, initially in those first couple of days, it's a whole new thing. So it's a new skill that you're learning, a new skill that your baby is learning, a different sensation than you're used to on your breast and on your nipple. And there can be some discomfort involved with that, but it should not be like toe curling, you know, yelping out loud sort of pain. Like that's that's typically extreme. And, you know, sometimes that will happen in the first moments. And then as you adjust the latch and change some things around, things can improve. But if that kind of pain is persisting, then you definitely need help. And there's usually help in the hospital. Most hospitals have either lactation consultants or nurses who are very knowledgeable about breastfeeding. But sometimes the hospital is not really, you know, it's not comfortable. It's not, you're not in your element. There's so much going on that a lot of women kind of get help there and then they get home and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I doing? And if they did have problems in the hospital that didn't get kind of resolved, then they go home and they have more pain. And I think that is the time to reach out to a lactation consultant for sure, and potentially even have one come, even if you think things are going well, why not have somebody who can really look at the situation, look at how your baby's eating, look how you're holding your baby and give you some tips as to how to do it in a way that's going to continue to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I had a medical student with me yesterday who was just holding a baby and was holding it for a while and was just, you know, holding the baby in her arms like this. And after 20 minutes, the mom and I were like, do you want to move over and like put a pillow under your arm? <laughs> because she had never held a baby for that long and you're using muscles that you've never <laughs> used before. <laughs> and this happens with breastfeeding too. And you may not think about the fact that, oh, just putting a pillow here so that I'm not getting tired as I'm holding my baby uh -huh. or putting a pillow behind my back so that my back is supported. I mean, little things like that can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And having just another person who's looking kind of from the outside to help with that can be invaluable. So I think having a lactation consultant come is very, very helpful. And, and these days, most insurance companies are paying for some amount of lactation consulting evaluations. So it's not always easy to access depending on where you are, but it is something to think about having if you can. And then there are some times when, you know, whatever that lactation consultant does, it's not fixing the problem or other problems are coming up and it's starting to look like there's more complicated stuff going on. Then it could be time to look for a breastfeeding medicine specialist who can potentially take it one step further. You know, I, I'm a pediatrician, so I can look at the baby in a different way and potentially do additional testing that needs to be done. 
I can test moms if they're having low production or diagnose certain conditions that can contribute to pain. And I can treat those. I can prescribe if needed. I can order testing if needed. So not every patient, not everybody needs a breastfeeding medicine specialist, but I think everyone deserves some sort of breastfeeding assistance in mm -hmm. some form. And for people to understand that there are breastfeeding medicine physicians if needed, and there are more and more of us out there and available. That's, that's a long great. answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super important and super interesting. And in those more difficult or severe or harder cases, what are the most common breastfeeding medicine consults? So really, what are the most common actual things that need medical intervention? And yeah. Yeah. The most common things that I see are low milk production. So mm -hmm. extremely low milk production that is, you know, for, for no understandable reason. Per, so sometimes high milk production. So having more milk than you need can sometimes cause problems too that don't necessarily need a workup, but could potentially use medications to help bring the production down in a safe way. Persistent pain, like we talked about, per recurrent plug ducts, recurrent mastitis, recurrent skin infections. Those are, those are the, I think, the most common things. And then inducing lactation is something that we can help with too, inducing or relactating. So for somebody who is not necessarily carrying the baby or gestating the baby, but still wants to be able to lactate for the baby. For instance, if you have a gestational carrier or you're adopting or you're in a, let's say you are a trans person and you want to breastfeed or you're two women having a baby together and the one who's not carrying the baby wants to breastfeed. Those are all times that if one, if desired, one can potentially lactate for that baby. And that is kind of needs a lactation consultant and a physician who's knowledgeable to help out. And it's really, really rewarding and an exciting thing to be able to help somebody do. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> That's super impressive yeah. incredible yeah. so you recommend that or you know at least it's on your website that people get a prenatal consult before they have the baby and so why is it important to have that kind of physical almost exam before you have the baby on top of you know going on the internet and reading stuff watching videos or courses why do you think it would be super helpful to have an actual physical consult that's more personalized, obviously, than taking a class? Yeah. Um, and what do you evaluate in those consults? Yeah, yeah. Well, one reason could simply be that you just have a lot of questions and you've never done this before and you just want to find out more. And, you know, you're always going to have more of a chance to sit and ask questions and spend more time if it's a one-on-one -on -one sort of consult. So really... Anybody could do it and it would be reasonable. There are specific people who are at more risk for having 
complications or having problems come up with breastfeeding that I think it's that much more important. So there are things on the exam that your OB may potentially see in terms of your breast shape or size or, or some history of breast surgery that could put you at risk for problems, that it would be helpful to just kind of be prepared for what could happen and how to start troubleshooting and then where to get help if it does happen. The, there are certain things that may put you at risk for having a lower production, lower milk production, and I won't go over the whole list here, but knowing what those are and knowing, and I think I, I have some videos online that go into this in more detail, they, that can help you to know whether you're in that category so that you have a plan going forward as to how to, how to hopefully prevent the low production or maximize your, your chances of product producing more. And if you've had a history of problems, that's a big one. So if with your first baby, you have struggled with production, whether or not you found a real reason for it by all means have a prenatal consult mm -hmm. so that you can come up with a specific plan for how to maximize mm -hmm. your chances of, of reaching your goals the next time. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense, but I'm sure a lot of people don't even think about, you know, going to the doctor for something they don't even have an issue with yet, or they don't see which right. issue they can, that can come up, could come right. up. Right. Um, so yeah, that's really eye-opening. I wanted to get your opinion on a more kind of suicidal, I guess, debate. Breastfeeding is always very debated because, you know, not everyone is able to, and you can face difficulties. Or another thing is breastfeeding is almost a full-time job. Yes. Uh, or <laughs> job. I don't remember the statistics, but it's like thousands of hours in a year. So if women work a lot then they might not be able to breastfeed for such a long time I know I think my mom breastfed me for like two to three months uh mm -hmm. so usually I you know it's not I don't know if it's long or not it depends on who who is doing it I guess but there's a lot of guilt and shame in society around and judgment around are you breastfeeding are you not and all of that so what is your opinion on it? You know, do you think that it's worth giving a try in any case? Or is it better to be breastfed than not? Because there are some, you know, controversy about that and some 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 reports that say it's it's better for the baby. So do you have any opinion on that? And I'd love to hear you yeah. know, your thoughts on societal yeah. debate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is a big debate. In my mind, the benefits are not really debatable. I mean, there's science that backs the fact that breastfeeding does have benefits for the baby as well as for the lactating person. So there are benefits, no doubt. That doesn't mean that breastfeeding is for everyone. So some people just don't want to do it for whatever reason. They just don't see themselves doing it. They don't want to do it. That's okay. It is a choice. And, you know, we, we make choices all day, every day. And as a parent, they start to, they feel a little heavier because we're, you know, making decisions about our child. But 
you have to be comfortable with how you feed your baby. And for many people that is breastfeeding and for many people it's not. And I have no judgment. I see patients, I, whether they're breastfeeding or not, that doesn't matter to me. But once somebody decides that they want to try it, at least to breastfeed, that's when you know I can help. I mean, I can help explain the benefits as well. But most people who see me at least are, you know, have, have decided that they want to do it yes. and are looking for help on how to reach their goals. Now, the tricky thing is that people do feel because there are known benefits, like this is something that they should do, mm -hmm. or they feel horrible if something happens that for some reason they can't do it. Or I think the worst that, you know, one of the hardest things that I see is women who are struggling for some reason. So, you know, let's say they do have pain and nobody can really get rid of the pain, but they want to breastfeed so badly. And they always pictured this beautiful breastfeeding relationship and they're not having it. It's painful. They're dreading every time they nurse. They've tried pumping and that's not working for them either for whatever reason. And we put this pressure on ourselves. Yeah. And I absolutely did this to myself. I was having recurrent plug ducts, but yet I was a pediatrician. I, you know, I should be able to do this. I can't not exclusively breastfeed my child. Of course I could have. It was affecting my own mental health at mm -hmm. one point. And that's what happens when women don't, when it's not working out the way you expect, it mm -hmm. can have pretty extreme effects on your quality of life and potentially your mental health or your physical health. And I don't think any drop of milk is worth a woman losing those, those things, but it's hard. It's, it's can be really heartbreaking to say that it's time to stop and women can really grieve that totally understandably. And I'm sometimes that last step, like people come to see me because they're like, you know, yeah, this is, this is it. If Dr. Rubin can't fix this problem, I'm going to stop, but I just want to make sure I've tried everything. Mm -hmm. And so I see that, that ending frequently. And I think for people listening who may be in a, that sort of situation and trying to decide, it's okay. Yeah. Nobody else is judging you. Unfortunately, we're very hard on ourselves. Yeah. And you know, we're not we're not all going to be perfect at everything. And what's important is not breastfeeding is not what makes you a mom. Mm -hmm. It's the snuggles and the love and all of that that makes you a mom. And if you're having a tough time even doing those things because you're so focused on this breastfeeding that isn't going well, then something has to change yeah. and that's okay. Because obviously there's a lot of benefits to breastfeeding, but then if other areas suffer a lot, then the benefits kind of go away. Because Exactly. <laughs> and at some point you have to draw a line in the sand and I guess exactly. figure out that it's time to stop. Yeah. So one other kind of jumping on another topic okay. here, I am really interested. I saw that you promote a lot of like, you know, de shared decision-making with parents and parents being able to making their own choices. And I feel like that's a, at least 
from what I know, kind of newer approach to medicine, because usually it's kind of like the doctor said, do this and you don't second guess it. I mean, even if I look at my family, like my grandparents, parents, it's like, if the doctor said something, then, you know, you have to to do exactly what they said, even if you feel like it's not working for you because the doctor said it. So right. obviously the doctor have, has way more experience and has done a lot of studies to, to be able to give you the best possible recommendation. So this is not at all about discrediting evidence-based medicine. And I completely encourage that. But how do you approach this with your, with your patients uh, about like sharing decisions, decision-making? Do you sometimes see patients that don't want to do something that you really believe is best for them? Or, or is it inherently not best for them if people don't want to do it? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. understanding a bit more about sharing the decision with the patient, right. not about anything. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I always want to come up with a plan for a patient that everyone is going to be comfortable with. And I, I say that though I still would not do something that I knew was going to be harmful to a patient. That's where I would stop. I mean, if if somebody had a horrible rip-roaring bacterial infection, they need antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say it's okay not to give the antibiotics in that sort of situation. But in situ- there are definitely, you know, medicine is an art, and that's something that I have learned more and more, there's usually not one right way of doing things. And we don't always 100% know a diagnosis. And sometimes we have to even do trial and error. And I want to do things in a way that is going to make the most sense. I like to really explain why I'm thinking that, you know, we might want to do this, we might want to do this, we might want to do this. And hearing what a parent's concerns are or the patient's concerns are and working together to figure out what makes the first, makes sense as the first step with the understanding that maybe if that doesn't work out, then maybe we'll try the second step. And maybe that first step was more what the patient was looking for. And the second step might be what I, my gut feeling is telling me, but as long as it's not going to cause harm, I think it's so important for patients and parents to feel empowered and to be empowered, not just feel that way, but to know that they have some control because especially in medicine, you know, you're so vulnerable and, you know, you may feel very much like, I don't know anything the doctor knows. And I have patients that don't want to have anything to do with the decision and do come to me, just want, you know, tell me what to do. And that's okay too, but I almost feel more uncomfortable in those situations mm-hmm. because I just, I, I want to make sure the patient understands mm-hmm. and, um, and is on board because they're not going to do it. <laughs> they're not going to do what you're recommending if they don't buy exactly. into that's it. what I was about to say. Like if they're not on board, it must be a lot harder to make them do something. Right. And stuff or, Absolutely. yeah, so. That makes a lot of sense. And I wish, you know, all the doctors were like that to really explain the options. And uh, even if it takes longer because the patient decides against kind of what you you would think it is best, it still makes more sense because then they'll choose your option with more conviction later right. on. 
Right. Um, and that, but you did mention, I mean, that's the tricky part is the time. <laughs> and I have the luxury now of being able to spend that time. And I didn't and before, and I still took the time usually when I needed to, but I probably didn't do this as much as I would have wanted to back then because I just simply didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really the what's wrong with the system right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. I feel like we <laughs> talked about a lot of topics and it's super interesting. I always ask the guests one last question on this podcast and it's very broad and there's, you know, a lot of different answers you could give, but you know, if you were right now had in front of you a new, a new parent or a new family that just had their first baby and know nothing or feel like they know nothing, what kind of two or three top tips or pieces of advice would you give them? It can be very broad, very general, it can be very specific. Is there anything that, you know, stands out and that should kind of be your North Star? as a new parent when you, while you're going through all these yeah, things? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I could probably be on here for another hour talking about it. But I think one thing is that we're, you know, it's, it's going to be a constant learning process the next 18 years or, you know, the rest of your life having a child. It's just a different sort of relationship and it's new for you and it's okay to feel like you don't know what to do and you're going to figure that out as you go along. And there are people out there who can help you, but ultimately you kind of have to go with your gut and babies are pretty resilient, so you have to <laughs> work pretty hard, actually, to really do something harmful. And I think there's so many factors that go into everything. So blaming yourself and having that mom guilt, I mean, it's going to happen no matter what. I think most of us have it at some point. But it doesn't, you know, let yourself have that for a few minutes and then move on because, you're not, if, if something's done, it's done. And if it didn't work, you just move forward and figure out how to do it in a different way. And I think even when mistakes happen, or maybe you, you do something and you realize that it, you didn't do it quite the right way, especially as your child grows, they can then see that. They can see how you handle it and how you admit to your faults, let's say. Let's say you yell at your child and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have yelled at them. Apologize and explain, you know, oh, I was feeling mad and, you know, I, I could have handled that differently and I'm really sorry that I did that. That's how your child learns to handle situations like that. So mm -hmm. it's a learning time for everyone. But I think ultimately it's take care of yourself because, you know, that's something that I see, especially with the breastfeeding is that people can become so focused on this, these other things that where your, your job is to take care of other people. And even though that's true as a parent, you're not going to do a good job with that if yeah. you don't take care of yourself. And so that is, it really is first and foremost, and it's so easy to forget it and put yourself down at the lowest, <laughs> you know, rung. I'm a victim of that myself, but it is so important for us to have self-care, give ourselves grace, and 
uh, take help when it's offered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never mm-hmm. say no to somebody who's <laughs> offering to help. Those are the big ones. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much. These are really wise words. Thank you so much again, Dr. Rubin, for being on the podcast today. I hope you had a great time. I and did. Uh, you know, maybe as a final word, you could tell us how people can connect with you if they want to, or how people can, I don't know, become patients if they're close. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. How can people reach you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. And I hope that it, somebody has learned something or just feels a little bit better after listening to it about parenting or breastfeeding or whatever it may be, because mm-hmm. it's not easy. But I am, I'm in Chicago, the Chicago suburbs. I'm in the Western suburbs of Chicago. And my kind of in-person practice serves my general vicinity. But I also, I'm licensed in Illinois, so I can see people for breastfeeding all throughout Illinois, virtually, if not in person. And I, the best place to find me is really just going to my website. So it's www.intouchpediatrics.com. And my email's on there, my phone number's on there. And, you know, if you have, if you, if you are outside Illinois and you're looking for assistance and you just need help finding somebody close to you, I can help with that as well. So don't hesitate to call me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope a lot of people visit your website because it's a really beautiful and very helpful website on top of it. Thank you. Thanks so much again and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. And that's a wrap. Um, That's the end of the interview. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week with a brand new interview. Take care.